This is the Grow Your Clinic podcast from Clinic Mastery. We help progressive health professionals to lead inspired teams, transform client experiences, and build clinics for good. Now, it's time to grow your clinic. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Grow Your Clinic podcast. I'm your host today, Jack O'Brien. Thank you so much for giving us your attention and sharing a few minutes of your time with us. I'm really excited to welcome another guest onto the show. Today, we have Dr. Jonathan Ramachendran, who is also known as the Healthy GP. Jonathan, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Yeah, good, Jack. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure. It's not often we get graced with one of the uh, professionals from the medical world. So we're uh, super humbled to have you as a guest. And I know you've got some really interesting insights to share with our audience. Before we dive into those, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story, how you ended up in medicine and what it is that you do now in the medical world? Uh, Yeah, thanks, Jack. Um, So I, I turned 40 next year. It's a big year for me. Um, and I was reflecting on that a couple, you know, a little while ago about what it, what it means. But I think um, my story really begins in, it begins in kind of year 12. And I, I didn't do so well in year 12. Like I think uh, the last really? couple of years of high school for me were about partying and being in bands and doing the wrong things, smoking the wrong things. And um, um, is really, there a right really thing to smoke? <laughs> Although that's interesting for a palliative well, care well, doctor in Canberra, now. Well, well, in Canberra, I heard that it's going to be legal. Uh, right. So that's pretty good, under 50 grams. Yeah, so I really I really didn't have a great start. And I think that sort of defining moment for me was realizing that I didn't really want to do what I was doing when I was about 18, 19. Mm. And I think that's when I went back to, you know, sometimes when you, you lose your way, you go back to when you were younger and, what you dreamed of when you were a kid, you just have these unlimited dreams. And one of my unlimited dreams was being a doctor. Right. Um, not because my parents wanted me to be a doctor, but because I really felt I could help people. I really love that. And so that was the, the start of the journey, um, going back to uni, getting into uni. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't do very well in year 12. So had to start from scratch and yeah, get into uni, worked really hard. And I sat GAMSAT. Uh, which is this exam to get into med and went to Sydney and big catalyst to my life at that point was I met my wife and she was really by God's grace she was she took an interest in me <laughs> and I think a lot of what I did was to impress her but I think she was really good in centering me right. met the right woman at the right time at the right place and um, yeah got into medicine and went to Sydney so I think that part talked a lot about if you don't work hard. <laughs> you're not focused it's just not possible to do anything right but yeah got into medicine went to sydney and um moved to the country to do my internship went to tamworth okay and really fell in love with being in the country and how much you could how much you could do for people and how impactful your service could be in regional and rural areas Mm. and moved back thought i wanted to be an ed doctor but realized I really wanted to be in critical care, which is like looking after people really sick, sure. but also having that balance of um, being able to chat to people. And so rural country GP was what appealed to me. So mm-hmm. I did a year of anesthetics. Um, so I had a procedural skill mm-hmm. and moved to Albany. And where I've been here now for about eight years. Yeah, so country Amazing. GP, 
yeah, with an it's, anesthetic. It's funny. I didn't realise that connection. I uh, did one of my uni placements at Tamworth Hospital in the emergency department and really found it hasn't translated to relocation, but love the rural, yeah. um, the atmosphere and vibe and certainly in emergency yeah. care for a physio. Yep, okay, yep. and so you moved to practice G- as a GP and yeah, yep. but no longer in a GP role? Well, yeah, so I think um, I really love the hospitals and I think when I went to GP land, I really missed the team. It was right. a very sort of isolating. I found it isolating being in a room by myself. But also I think what I learned in GP was um, about trusting your gut and I started to dread Monday on a Friday. I sure. used to think, oh, my gosh, I've got to be in GP. And that's when I knew I needed to do something different. <laughs> I knew <laughs> that I needed to make a change. And the things that excited me were being in hospital, doing anesthetics. Uh-huh. And, that, and also what excited me, also I, 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 you know Tristan White as well. Yeah, the and, yeah. And Tristan, I re- I was, at that time, started to follow Tristan. And I really found that my aged care work was really rewarding. Mm-hmm. And in aged care, there's a lot of um, frailty, chronic disease, cancer, and a combination sure. of that. And I loved going to the aged care facility more than I loved going to GP. Mm-hmm. And that for me was also around the introduction to palliative care and about allowing people to have dignity and um, comfort at the end of their life, mm-hmm. um, and which really was my pivot into palliative care, and yeah, wow. which is what, where I am now. Um, I did more study. The study for doctors is just never-ending. So I did that. And, yeah, so I work um, half-time now with the, the palliative care service in Albany and we service okay. the region. Yeah, Amazing. And where does the Healthy GP brand fit in all of that? Uh, so I think the Healthy GP brand was around starting a blog mm-hmm. um, and writing. So it came, like I started my blog the 31st of Je- uh, December at 11 p.m. at night. 2015 I think 14 and I, I had to come up with something dot <laughs> com and that was what I came up with yeah it was but available I, at the time it was available yeah I think it, the healthy GP translates to um, that health is not simply physical um, mm-hmm. health is you know psychological it's social and it's spiritual mm-hmm. and I think that what I write on the blog isn't about uh, not directly about health, five tips to you know lose weight or anything like that, but sure. more around what it's like to be a dad and a husband, mm. a man, um, but also um, uh, yeah, thoughts thoughts on life. You know that that's what I write on the healthy GP. I love it. I love it. Tell us about your kids. What are their names? How old are they? Um, so I have I have three boys, which I'm so blessed to have. I always wonder why I got boys. You know. <laughs> Right, um, but it's it's a, there's a, there's always a reason to everything, and the reason why I have three boys is because um, I'm raised them as men mm-hmm. for them to leave. Because what we're doing is we're injecting into the next generation, you know. So these boys right. will be so Samuel, ten, Hunter, seven, and Benjamin is four, and um, I'm really excited this afternoon. Um, I'm going to watch Samuel do basketball training uh-huh. this summer, so um, it's basketball season. I'm very happy about that. So, um, yeah, so great having boys, lots of energy in the house, but having boys means that I need to make my wife feel feel extra special. Mm, Sure, sure. Yeah. (laughs) It's amazing. I I love the the healthy GP and I love, you know, the, from a distance in a lot of ways, the, the guidance and the mentorship that you've provided me around being a health professional is so much more than just the care we provide, although that is a large part of our identity, but 
caring for yeah. yourself and your family and your community is, um, is, is really exciting to me. And I know that self-care for health professionals is a real passion of yours. So yeah. as someone who's seen such a wide scope of the health landscape and, and engaged with so many different medical and health professionals, mm. what are some opportunities that you see for uh, allied health professionals specifically in and around self-care? It's really interesting that you talk about that. Um, so I, I've just, I just presented at the Palliative Care Australia conference a couple of weeks ago on right. self-care. And um, the reason why I thought I'd pre- presented that sort of international conference was because I um, started presenting around here to, in, to aged care workers and to, right. to palliative care nurses and people found it very impactful because the message is, um, I, I, I guess it goes back to the story. So I've kind of really, really successfully burnt myself out a couple of times and I think in the in the pit of of that, there's a blog post on my on, on my blog about um, not wanting to be a doctor anymore. Mm. And um, I remember um, sitting on the bed with my wife and just thinking, I I just was burnt out. I just couldn't. I remember thinking, I don't want to. I can't do this, you know. And yeah. um, I remember the phone call to my parents <laughs> to tell them, you know. And I just remember that moment and. But fortunately, um, in my life, I met a couple of mentors and um, one of them was a psychiatrist who only treated doctors. And I remember reaching to calling him, you know, the next phone call. And, and he said to me, look, you know, come and see me tomorrow and don't do anything stupid. <laughs> and um, I think it was an imbalance of my life of work as a, as a country doctor. There was a lot of on-call. There was a lot of patient demands. And every mm-hmm. time I came home, I would feel annoyed because of the people making noise and mm. and I had you know when people feel burnt out the number one thing they feel is they feel tired they go to sleep they're tired they wake up they're tired they go to work they're tired and it's from that moment I really started to become very interested in energy and replenishing that energy because um I mean in the Bible really talks about that the rhythms of grace and rest are so important. Mm. And I started to do this crazy thing, which was I used to take a day off and I would, and Saturday's my day. I call it beautiful Saturdays and like Saturday, I would just not do anything, like Mm. literally nothing. I, of course, you know, wash the dishes and put out the clothes and all of those things. But I used to take a day off, no computer, no work, nothing. And that translated to just having a Sabbath, having a rest. What that meant is I needed to simplify my life to do that. Right. And the basis of self-care of what I talk about, um, what I, and it's, I think I've written on my, on my blog too, is that um, self-care is about replenishing energy, you know, mm. and in our life yeah. we have physical energy, we have psychological energy, we have emotional energy. And we have spiritual energy and spiritual doesn't mean, you know, you need to believe in God and Jesus. So, but it spiritual just means that you believe that there's something greater and a purpose for your life. Right. And self-care is just this intentional process that you, that you do every day that replenishes you. So there's this crazy thought that there's no more mental health days because if you are able to care for yourself daily intentionally, you can then care for other people. So I think mm-hmm. that starts with us first. Mm-hmm. And um, it's something that I've been living and breathing 
And now that I work in palliative care, the stuff that I have to deal with, you know, young mm-hmm. people, just this summer I was dealing with, you know, four people, three people, sorry, under the age of 40, the cancer mm-hmm. and dying, and wow. kids the same age as mine, working on call. Um, I, I worked over Christmas. Amazing. And um, you kind of walk, I walk, walk out of that going, you know, I'm okay. You know, it's sad, definitely sad. But I'm I'm okay, you know, because you know I've managed to date my wife. I've managed to have a day off. I've managed to do some exercise, and and the big thing for me has been um, professional supervision. So I have a another doctor who I go and see, a senior doctor, and I just kind of lay it out, you know, what am I struggling with? What am I dealing with? And yeah, so that that's kind of my self care kind of um, taking what I try and teach people, yeah. As I as I take notes through that, so you mentioned a daily routine, a weekly routine. Yeah, Emily and external mentoring support. There's all these. It seems like rhythms or systems yeah. in place to make sure that you don't slip through your own cracks. Is that right? That's right. You, you know, and in that moment where I sat sat on the side of the bed and I didn't want to be a doctor anymore, all I had in my toolkit then was exercise. You know, I only had that as because every time I was in the gym, you know, listening to music, you know, either it being praise music or it being sort of gangster rap, whatever it was, <laughs> I was there by myself and right. I realized that that was replenishing to me. And so all I had in my, you might seem like I think about this a lot and I do, mm-hmm. but back then I only had exercise. And then my wife put into my, my phone on Saturday, she gave me um, 12 to 4 o'clock off. She called right. it J-time, mm-hmm. um, which was leave dad alone and dad will go do his own thing because being alone actually replenishes me, you know, um, mm-hmm. being alone to do my own thing. How did, you, how did you figure that out, Jonathan? Because for, I agree that's the same for me, but I'm sure it's not the same for everyone. Maybe if you're an extrovert or you're energized by other people, Yeah. how did you come to that conclusion? I, I think... Um, if you're working, if you're a busy entrepreneur, you run your own clinic. If you're um, working in the hospital system, and you looking for, and you and you want to rest, but then when you're around other people, you're not feeling rest, but feeling stressed, and you go back and you feel depleted. That's a sign. I think there's such things in your life as people who are replenishing and people who um, leave you tired. And Drain. I think that draining, and, and you, you know that, like it's not being uh, nasty to people, but I think and I try to surround myself with people who leave you inspired and energetic. And so I have, a, I have a Christian mentor who I meet up with every month and I always leave there going, wow, you know, brings my thinking to another level. Sure. And I hang out with my wife. Um, and then the other thing is myself. I love being by myself. Mm-hmm. usually do that early in the morning. Mm-hmm when no kids are up. Mm, amazing. So how do you how do you carve out that time for yourself, for exercise, for your family, to get around mentors when I'm sure there's a there's a never-ending list of patients or mm. the phone's always ringing on call or there's another emergency. How do you prioritize or compartmentalize your life? Well, <laughs> or is that even a myth? Well, I, look, there's no such thing as a work-life balance. I think that there's always going to be an imbalance and there are times in your life where you're going to have tons of stuff happening at work, tons of stuff happening at home. What I think and is 
is simplification. It's minimalizing. It's, you know, for every one thing you add, you need to take away a couple, you know, and um, for everything that you're in. And so when I think people, uh, I think a lot of your listeners, if they're, um, you know, busy clinic owners, they know that they need to work in their business and on their business. Sure. You know, that's a thing, both Mm -hmm. separate things Mm -hmm. and not the one thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, on top of that, you your life may look very boring from the outside. You may not do a lot of things, but that it's that process of simplification which allows you to have freedom. Because mm-hmm. if you only do a couple of things, and if you have young kids, you only can do a couple of things. Right. Um, you told me before about your in-laws driving around. I can't do that at the moment. No. <laughs> but there will no. be a time in life where Kylie and I, I, I envisage and I and I intention it that one day we're going to be sitting in the Singapore business lounge. She's mm-hmm. going to be there doing stuff. I'm going to be there and there'll be no kids running around and that will happen because mm-hmm. it's just a season in life. But sure. I think it's simplification. That's awesome. Thank you. And what role do holidays play in self-care? Look, I think um, when I was a young doctor, I, a mentor said to me, look, you're going to earn a good amount of money in your life one of the best things you can do with your family is to take one great holiday year and um, to really enjoy your kids, really enjoy your wife and time and alone. And so that's what we've done. Um, we try to carve that out every year and we pre-plan, you know. We just got back from Broome last year. Mm-hmm. It was Singapore. Um, we're already planning next year what we're going to do. Our holidays are really important. And I think though as well, um, having a required day off a week mm. is fantastic. There's a lot of studies and a lot of research to show that that improves, rest improves your productivity, who would have right. thought. Um, <laughs> but it's hard sometimes, I think, if you're, if you're running a business and you're an entrepreneur, you're on all the time, you know, mm. unless you are drawing boundaries of, of time where you can recharge and replenish. I think it's a really good point when when you're in a nine to five or a rostered job or whatever that might be, there's very clearly delineated start and finish times and you, you, you're you essentially forced to rest. As yep. a business owner, as a clinic owner, it, it's 24-7, 365 if you let it. If you let it, it yeah. It, right. It's the question of does your business control you or are you leading your business? And so I love that you're deliberate and that you're helping people find the things that find that give them rest. Yeah. If for some it might be walking and hiking, for some it might be reading a book. It's okay as long as it's restful and rejuvenating, right? Yeah. And look, um, Jack, I think one of the things that's really driven it home to me is um, it's hard, but I think about death a lot um, because I'm around it. You are. <laughs> and um, <laughs> but um, it's so it it's it's the biggest reality check in the world for me that if. I have this reminder that comes up every at 10.30 every morning that mm-hmm. says um, cultivate a sense of impatience about the things you want to do in your life. Is wow. that impatience isn't impatient like it's, right. you know, but it's about saying yes. You know, if you want to do something, you, you crack on and you do it because I've, I, my daily job is working with people who are dying mm. um, and people wow. from cancer, from, um, you know, end-stage organ failure, frailty, and I think that this, this idea of running around and trying to, you know, whatever it is you're trying to do mm. comes to a grinding halt when something happens, you know. And I think that the things that are really important in life, I see at, that, at the end of life. 
right. and they are always you know the people you have around you and the things and the, and the memories and experiences that you had and mm. I think that that helps drive my self-care aspects that I need to put a stop because I need to I want to be around for the boys you know and I need to be there for Kylie because I want to cultivate something beautiful because the people that gather around you when you're dying because some people die early you know some people mm. you know they're the people that really shows a life well lived, you know, for me. Right. Sure. It's true riches, right? It is. That's what it is. Yeah. So that's amazing. Hmm. Thank you so much for, uh, for sharing. And I'm sure we could talk for hours. (laughs) So many fascinating insights. We've only just scratched the surface. We'd love to have you back on as a guest at another time, but Hmm. in the meantime, if people want to check out your blog or follow you personally on social media, how do they do both of those things? Uh, yeah. So, if, if you want to, um, the, my Instagram handle is The Healthy GP mm-hmm. and um, my blog is www.thehealthygp.com and um, I, it's a perennial thing but um, I, I will write more. I've got tons <laughs> of drafts but I haven't put up anything. But, um, yeah, that, that's how people can follow me. That's awesome. There's so many different facets, which I think we can learn from. And uh, I really appreciate your wisdom and insights and mentorship from afar. So thank you for joining us for this episode. And listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you'd like any of the show notes or links from today, you can head over to www.clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast and all the resources will be there. Dr. Jonathan Ramachandran, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jack. Thank you. And uh, we look forward to bringing you another episode again really soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to the Grow Your Clinic podcast. To find out more about past episodes or how we can help you, head to www.clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. And please remember to rate and review us on your podcast player of choice. See you on the next episode.